0: Welcome to Esoterica. My name is Andre Bella, and today my piece is called Andre, Honey. It was 1964. I was a junior in a large high school in the affluent town of Greenwich, Connecticut, where my father was the high school principal. Still struggling emotionally from my parents' divorce, which I saw as shameful. I was a quiet, conscientious student with a group of like-minded friends who were not part of the in-crowd of cheerleaders and football players. The social climate of our school fell into three groups. On top were the movers and shakers, who seemed to have everything. Their fathers were heads of big companies in New York City, well-educated and traveled, financially and socially secure and comfortable, reading a bobbing Wall Street Journal on the daily train trek to the city. Their kids were destined to attend Ivy League colleges and eventually take their parents' places on the membership lists of the local country club. The other two social groups were closely related, having been spawned in the same pool of first- and second-generation immigrant families who landed at Ellis Island and managed to make the additional 40 miles to western Connecticut. The future of these immigrants was directly related to the degree to which they availed themselves to free public education, which would enhance their cultural assimilation. In other words, if you learned English ASAP, you could get a job, save up enough money to buy a house, and raise your children as English-speaking citizens of an affluent WASP community, a community that worshipped education, both public and private, and had the money to pay for it. If you were smart, you hung on to the wasp coattails and moved up into the second group, not wasp, but the next best thing. You could be educated and like my father, who was second generation Slovak, could go to Yale where he thrived academically, but remained a social outcast. The bottom of the barrel, the third group, were the families who couldn't maintain their language and culture from the old world, while at the same time moving into a new culture. They missed the advantages of free public education. Instead, many of their male youths became the hoods of the community. In high school, they drank, drove cheap cars, got their girlfriends pregnant, and dropped out of school. My father's family, like most immigrant families in Greenwich, lived in Byram, the other side of the tracks. My father was raised in this ethnic neighborhood of Slovak Lutherans and Italian Catholics, and like so many ethnic neighborhoods, neither group had much use for the other. My grandfather, the shepherd of his flock, was a combination minister-social worker who brought Slovak immigrants from Ellis Island into his Lutheran fold. My father, one of six children, was raised around a dinner table set daily for at least a dozen people, his immediate family plus whoever was newly off the boat. Slovak was spoken at home and in church, but never anywhere else. Education was God. One day, my father told his mother he didn't want to go to school. My grandmother, who supplied an abundance of food for the dinner table by raising and slaughtering her own chickens, took my father into the backyard, put his head on the chopping block, and told him that if he didn't go to school, he would be the block's next victim. My high school principal father always said that his mother scared him so much that he could never stop going to school. But the family message also rang with ethnic prejudice. We're not like those lazy, ignorant Italian Catholics who follow the Pope, who tell them to have lots of kids, who will grow up to be totally ignorant, drop out of high school, and only hold jobs as manual laborers, if they're lucky. But at the tender age of 17, I was about to learn how meaningless this message was. Ken sat behind me in our high school geometry class Normally we would not have been in the same class. I was in college prep and he was in business, which translated into typing, shop, and basic math, definitely not geometry. But there he was, a tall, handsome Italian Catholic hood, playfully flirting with his most unlikely match, the principal's daughter. The white-haired geometry teacher long past retirement age and painfully hard of hearing was turned his back to the class To write endless geometry formulas on the chalkboard. Lost in his own soundless world of mathematics, he had no idea what was happening in his classroom. Thus was created the magic moment for Ken to whisper tenderly in my ear during every class, Andre, honey, will you marry me? Embarrassed and shy, but attracted to his boldness and good looks, I anticipated every geometry class with an exquisite mix of fascination embarrassment. One day he silently passed me his class ring, carefully wrapped with a piece of pink yarn so that the ring would fit my small finger. He whispered, will you wear my ring? As the deaf geometry teacher droned on, scrawling endlessly across the chalkboard. I could barely admit to myself that I looked forward to every class when Ken would call me Andre Honey and ask me to marry him. It was absurdly tender. I didn't even really know Ken, but over the years, I realized that he had changed my life. I never saw Ken after our geometry class together, but two years later, I read his obituary in the local paper. Despite his A in geometry, he had dropped out of high school, joined the army, and gone to Vietnam where he had been killed in action. Reading his obituary broke my heart, and with that came the clarity that all the ethnic prejudice in the world meant nothing to me compared to the infinitely simple importance of a tender, nameless relationship between two people. Time and events have a way of changing entrenched ideas. Restless, romantic youth simply breaks the old and creates a new and better world. Sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's sweet, but you never forget. Thanks for listening. I'm Andre Bella for Esoterica.